0: Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. We're starting a new month with a new book. This one is by Dr. Solomon Katz, Beauty as a State of Being. I'm reading from the dust jacket. This book is required reading for anyone who has a mind. So far, we're doing good. (laughs) The mind is a powerful tool capable of great creativity and invention, but when used improperly, the mind can also become an instrument of great suffering. Beauty as a state of being shows the reader how to use the mind well so that peace can reign in the individual life and, by extension, the life of the world. And so we're going to be... and I know this is gonna sound tedious until we get started, but we're gonna be studying our thinking this month. And I would like to think that by the end of the month, we'll be doing it 50% less. <laughs> bear with me, bear with me. You'll see where I'm going in a minute. So let's start with, let's start with something that might be a little bit fun. Close your eyes for just a moment. And imagine a really sweet, happy, perfect day. It could be a day that you experienced years ago. It might have been something from yesterday. But focus in on a, a memory of a, of a place in, in your life that just represents great happiness. If you can, bring it to your mind Powerfully enough that you can almost relive it. Sense, if you can, maybe what you were wearing that day, what was happening, how you were feeling. See if you can bring that sense of happiness back into your mind, back into your emotional body right now. Just that kind of perfect moment in time. Okay, you got it? Okay, open your eyes. Guess what? We have something, we all have something in common. I know you're looking at me like, wait a minute, you weren't there. You don't know what that moment was. But I will tell you that all of those moments have something in common. You were fully present for them. In that moment, you were not worrying about the future. You were not ruminating about anything bad that had happened that you wished you'd done it differently. In that moment of happiness you were fully present, you were fully enjoying it, you were fully engaged. Whatever it was you were doing and whoever you were with, that was where your mind was in that moment. And you know what? The reason that we all share that is because that is how it only can happen. For us to actually experience full happiness, we have to be in that moment. Any time that we're worried about the future, any time that we're replaying the past, any time that we're kind of daydreaming about something that's going to happen later or that happens something earlier or, or planning for, you know, any of those kinds of moments will actually take away from your ability to enjoy what's going on in that moment. And so our happiest moments, believe it or not, are the moments that we're simply but completely present in. So I want to share uh, my happy moment, and it wasn't much. In fact, there might be, I'll look around, I think at least one of you was there for it. Uh, it was about four years ago, we had our first silent retreat, and we were down uh, at the falls outside of Salem. And there were, yeah, a couple of you are nodding, you, you remember. And uh, we had rented a a, a sweet cabin there that had a a wood stove in it, and the food was good, and the company was good. And my particular memory is we had a a lovely meal completely in silence, and we really had an opportunity to savor the food in a way that often when you're chit-chatting or watching TV, you don't so much. but, But in the silence and in the sweetness, and oh, and the food was good. I remember that. Uh, and afterwards, so so my moment was a, a r- kind of mindful eating, if you will, really savoring the food. And then afterwards, we did what we called a, a simply a meditative walk. And at Silver Falls, they have a, a big circle around a green. And it was already dark, but they had these uh, lovely path lights uh, around so that it was quite safe and, and enjoyable. And my memory is simply knowing that I was here with this circle of friends, in this peaceful place, and I can remember sm- how strong the Douglas fir smelled because it's surrounded by Douglas fir. And I can simply remember taking one step and the next step and just being in bliss of that moment. And a moment, you might argue, where not much was even happening, right? But I was fully present for it, it was a place of great beauty. I felt the friendship of the people, you know? I could be having that moment now, right? This is a place of great beauty. I'm amongst the people that I love and care about. Do you see where I'm going with this? In some ways, I wonder how many moments of bliss I've missed because my mind was planning things, because my mind was worried about things, because my mind was already on to the next thing. Um, So my partner and I don't go out and eat that often, but the last few times that we've gone out eating, I've noticed even there at a restaurant where you're paying good money for good food and it might be date night, people are like on their phones. They're like sitting there almost like strangers You know, I, I secretly wonder if they're texting each other instead of actually talking. But what I have noticed is all of our electronic gadgetry has almost given us greater permission to disconnect from the current moment, right? We're texting our friends about things that are going to happen. We're sending uh, photo photographs to each other uh, about something um, uh, that had happened or is going to happen. We're totally disengaging from the very present moment, and yet we know that's the only moment that we can be happy. We're almost giving up happiness in order to feel some kind of busyness or some kind of connection with the past and with the future. So uh, Dr. Kat says that this is a natural part of our mind, but not necessarily a wholesome part of our mind. And he talks about where it comes from, and it makes total sense. Uh, If you think about it, back in ancient times, I mean really ancient times, like the dawn of civilization, our ability with our mind to notice things that are different and make pretty snap judgments was important. We might look out across a, 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 a savanna of grass, and our ability to notice the grass moving in a certain way that meant antelope in the grass would be really important it's like in an instant we could have uh, rallied together and got a hunting party together or or in another circumstances you know the the slightest little sound that was different in the uh, in the primordial jungle might have indicated some kind of a predator coming our way and in an instant almost without thinking about it right we could be out of there We could be down the path and out of there. So one of the things that human beings excels at, and in fact, modern science says that we spend as much as 80% of our time doing this, is noticing what's different and making decisions and judgments about it. Can you imagine where I'm going with this? For a little while, it isn't going to be pretty either, so, uh, so bear, bear with me here. Uh, the author likens it to someone who, who heats their house with, uh, with wood and only has a hatchet. And so, oh my gosh, every summer, hours and days and hours and days, uh, with a little hatchet, you know, cutting down wood, stacking it, getting ready for the winter. And then suddenly, one Christmas, given a chainsaw. Oh my gosh, the ability to really notice what's different and act upon it to that early human was like giving them a chainsaw. It's like, oh my gosh, I can make decisions right away, and it'll save me. It'll be a good thing. The question I would have for you with this marvelous new tool, would you leave your chainsaw running all the time? Would you bring it inside the house, have your chainsaw running on the dining room table, (laughs) just in case... Something needed to be cut up, right? W- would you have it in the kitchen with a, you know, doing vegetable prep? Well, that's kind of, and I, and, and I know I'm playing this a little bit for laughs, and so, uh, so I apologize for that. But that's kind of like what we're doing with this ability to see what's different and discriminate, to see what's different and make a judgment call on it. There are times when this is useful, right? That I'm standing on the max train and I see it down there, right? It's really useful for me to say, "Oh no, it's coming my way instead of going the other way." That's noticing that it's different and then acting upon it, right? Ah, it's coming my way, so I'm getting off the tracks. Really useful. But how often? But how often do we just let that chainsaw of a tool be put to all kinds of uses that just bring us misery. Let me give you like maybe 1,400 examples, right? So I'm noticing that uh, my car is getting a little old, and so I'm looking out, seeing all of the other way more marvelous cars. Does this bring me happiness? No. No. Is there anything wrong with my car? No. But I'm bringing the chainsaw out. I'm comparing it to everyone else's car, and I'm finding that mine is lacking, creating in me a desire for something that I don't need, creating in me the impression that I'm less than, when it isn't even true. Do you see where I'm going with this? Let me think of another example, right? Um, This is one I think that couples go through. I, I, being part of a couple anyway, I I will say it's true for me. I notice all of how other couples react to each other, right? Now, sometimes, this is good news, (laughs) sometimes the comparison highlights, you know, uh, Larry, Daniel, they do a pretty good job. But other times, now of course, uh, do I stop and think that when we're with other couples, they're probably presenting themselves at their very best? Oh no, I don't think about that. I just assume they're perfect all the time and therefore, right, I compare. And we should be perfect all of the time. Is this useful? We have a loving, wonderful relationship. Of course it has its rocky moments, but that should not take away from the good that's there. We're using the chainsaw. We're using something that has worked so well for us as a species to move us forward in safety and glory, and we're using it to distance ourselves from other people that we summarily assume are not as good as we are. We're using this chainsaw of a mind to, to figure out that our house isn't good enough, that our life isn't good enough, that our job isn't as special as it could be, that, that we don't have as much money as the neighbor. It's like, you name it, we compare ourselves to idealized versions of what humans should be like. We compare our children to idealized uh, pictures of what the smartest children on earth should be like. It just doesn't stop. And then we go ahead and add the judgment factor to it as well, right? We say, I guess I'm just stupid. I guess I'm just ugly. I guess I'm just less than because I don't stack up. This is the chainsaw tool that we have left running on the dining room table just in case we need it. But the trouble is, everything starts looking like wood that we should cut up. Everything looks like it's there for comparison. Everything looks like it will be beneficial if I say this is good and this is bad. This is smarter and this is not so smart. This is beautiful and this is not so beautiful, right? And then the reality is, is it's all good. The reality is the comparisons are not necessary and, in fact, the comparisons are make us feel less than and reduce our sense of what is good and beautiful in our lives right now. If you think back to that moment that I had you uh, uh, recall at the very beginning, right, where you were absolutely in the middle of just an enjoyable and wonderful moment, you were not in the process of judging and comparing either. Not only were you in that present moment, but you were saying, this moment is sufficient. I don't need to be on my cell phone talking to someone else. I don't need to be worrying about whether my car has two scratches on it instead of being brand new. You were in that moment and loving it, digging it, enjoying it, being fully present for it. There was no time for uh, reminiscing about the good old days. There was no time for worrying about what's going to happen next. I want to talk to you... Oh, actually, I need to do the joke first, though. This will help illustrate what's coming next. So a young Marine and his commanding officer climbed on board a train headed through the mountains of Switzerland. They sat across from a young woman and her grandmother. After a while, it became obvious that the young woman and the young soldier were kind of interested in each other, but the young woman kept looking nervously over at her grandmother. Soon, the train passed into a pitch-black tunnel. There was the sound of a passionate kiss, followed by the sound of a stinging slap. When the train emerged from the tunnel, the four sat there, looking at each other, not saying a word. The grandmother thought to herself, It was very brash for that young soldier to kiss my granddaughter. I'm glad she stood up for herself and slapped him. The commanding officer sat there thinking, I figured he'd try to steal a kiss, but I sure wish she hadn't missed him when she slapped me and hit me. (laughs) The young woman was sitting and thinking, I'm glad the soldier snuck a kiss in, but I wish my grandmother hadn't have slapped him. And the young Marine sat there very satisfied. Life is good. When does a fellow have the chance to kiss a beautiful girl and slap his commanding officer? Mm -hmm. I thought you'd like that one. Now, how much did all of those thoughts have to do with reality? Do you see? This is the other problem with our thinking. Our thinking is almost pernicious in its ability just to spin the stories into something that we want them to be. Now, this may not be a bad thing if we're spinning the story picturing ourselves as enjoying life, but brain scientists tell us that's not typically what we do. Five out of eight thoughts that we have are spinning towards the negative, we will invent things that are actually worse than what reality is. So for, so for every three times you picture yourself uh, enjoying life in the, in the future, five times you will picture yourself with something going wrong in the future. For every three times, you have a nice reminiscence about the past, like, like our little picture of that moment in time where everything was perfect. For every three of those, you'll have five rememberings in the past of something that was negative and horrible. Our mind is not that useful. That chainsaw is still going. Well, I'm going to propel us forward into a couple weeks out. In a couple weeks out, we're going to learn specifically ways that we can begin orienting more of our thinking towards the positive instead of the negative. And the week after that, I'm going to challenge us to actually give up this idea of evaluating and making judgments altogether. Well, I say... Uh, Whether we'll manage it or not, we'll find out, but at least the invitation and some tools will be there to do that. Uh, To get ready for that, though, I want to talk about what Katz calls the, the sort of three modalities for improving our thinking. Well, first, we have the baseline, and we can think of that as the untrained mind. The untrained mind, simply through our evolutionary processes, is set up to do what? It's set up to do that evaluation of differences and make a judgment. So the untrained mind, that's just what we do through life. And we use that three to five ratio that I talked about. That's just usual for human beings. And so I gotta tell you, it's no wonder that we spend a lot of our time worrying, a lot of our time ruminating, a lot of our time thinking our life isn't good. That's because for the untrained mind, that's where we go. That's just what our mind tends to do on its own. The first level of training, uh, Solomon Kat says, is when we purposefully interrupt the negative thinking and begin replacing it with positive thinking. Now here's a story very like what we would teach almost every Sunday here, right? Every Sunday we should say, let's start weeding out the negative thinking that's causing our outcomes to be negative and let's replace it as best we can with what we want to have thinking. Thinking more on the side of positivity, thinking more on the side of love, of good jobs, of great families, and and where we tend to put our thinking, we will begin seeing more of that in the world. So our, our optimism, if you will, will begin having the output, or the effect, if you will, of seeing more good in the world and participating in that good. But do you notice the little hitch here? We're still perhaps comparing with where we are now and finding it not good enough, right? So, some examples, for instance. Here's a nice positive statement. I will win the lottery. Now, that's a lovely positive statement, right? And yet, the implication is, I'm not rich enough now. Do you you see how that's kind of implied there? And so, I'm virtually saying, and I know I'm not saying it literally, But in the back of my head, I'm saying, my life isn't quite good enough without winning the lottery. So I'm going to affirm the, you see? Now this is better than doing the negative, believe me. This is way better than saying, my life is a total mess. There's never enough money, and I'm poor, 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 right? That would be the negative affirmation that we want to avoid at all costs. But even doing a positive affirmation, I'm going to win that lottery. The implication is my life right now isn't quite good enough. Let me take one more example here. Uh, oh, back to my car. You can see, I, I actually, I got my first scratches on the car at Winco the other night. So this is why the car thing is in my head, right? So, so uh, what I claimed here was, I deserve and shall have a new car, Isn't that a lovely, positive affirmation? I mean, we would write that down in Foundations class and say, it's a great affirmation. But do you see what's behind it? Is the thought that there's something wrong with the car that I have now. Well, those of you who know me in my car, there is nothing wrong with my car. I love my car, right? So it has two scratches on it. It's a perfect car for me. And yet my mind, using that chainsaw, would have me already thinking there's something wrong that I need to take care of. So this is what we're actually gonna be working on. This is the second level of uh, this idea of training our mind. The first level, switching from negative to positive, we're actually pretty good at that as science of mind people. But the second level is actually disconnecting that need to make comparisons when they're not really useful. And we're gonna have a lot of fun with that in a couple of weeks. All right, you ready for homework? You're going to hate this one. (laughs) I did it this last week, and it's a real bugger, but here we go. Uh, So uh, I found it most useful to do it on my smartphone, but some of you maybe uh, have watches that have little timers on them. Either way, I recommend some way of reminding yourself about once an hour, every half an hour, just to make a quick note about what you're thinking about. So the idea, yeah, I know, I know. It'll be okay, we'll survive, we'll be here next week. <laughs> but I would like you throughout the day, about every half hour, every hour, simply in just a tiny little notebook, or you could even do it on your smartphone, when you get the little alarm, just write down what you're thinking about. And, uh, and ideally, you might make a note whether you're in the fully in the present moment or whether you're thinking about something out there that hasn't happened yet or if you're thinking about something that happened from the past that maybe you wish to gone differently, that idea of I'd like you to gauge when the alarm goes off, am I fully present for what I'm doing, right? So the alarm goes off and you're watching TV. Are you really watching and paying attention to the program or is your mind kind of drifting onto whether it, I'm gonna make breakfast for the kids in the morning, or something. You get the idea. Or the alarm goes off, and and maybe you're at work uh, with your I don't know your head in a screen doing some word processing. For me, that uses like what intelligence I have. So so I'd say yeah, I'm fully engaged. But but you know you judge when the alarm goes off. Am I fully engaged in what I'm doing, or am I kind of? daydreaming about the future, the past. So so that's the homework. And next week we will use that homework to help us decide where we want to go from here, what we need to do, the next step for disengaging this chainsaw uh, that we try to just use against everything in our lives that actually is creating a lot of the dismay and misery going on. All right, I'm going to close with a prayer and a quote. This is from Beauty as a State of Being by Dr. Solomon Katz. He says, Everyone, it seems, is walking around obsessing about her dilemma. There is almost always a situation that needs pondering, improving, and judging. It is rare that one walks around attuned to wonder. Obsessing obscures the wonder and the love in life. If I place my hand just in front of my face, even my small hand obscures the vast horizon. Obsessing is so upfront, so prominent, that it obscures a more panoramic view of life and possibilities. In order to attune to wonder, in order to really see the love and the life around us, preoccupation with the personal self and the dilemma du jour it must stop. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one goodness. There is only this one thing, and what I know about it is it is the grace of God in my life all the time. When I listen, when I pay attention, when I am fully vested in the moment, There is love to be found. There is life to be found. There is that goodness of of existence to be found in even the smallest and most insignificant times in our life. If we pay attention, there is a rainbow. If we notice, there is friendship. If we are attuned to it, the beauty and the nature of life itself is here. That horizon of possibilities is for us. And so I know on this day, and I claim for the folks in this room and beyond, that willingness perhaps to begin examining our thinking, that willingness to give up the negative thinking and giving up comparisons and judgments when they're really not needed or wanted, that ability for each of us to live in the present moment and to be mindful of what's going on right now, that bliss of life, that joy of life, that that goodness that exists only in the present moment. I know it's available to each person here. I claim that willingness to explore it. And so I release this prayer with great gratitude. I release it into the power and the presence of God itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here. So glad you're here today.